I've been praying for months. Can you even hear me? How could I end up like this? Why didn't you intervene? How can you let such a horrible thing happen, God? I thought you were supposed to take care of us. Do you even hear my prayers for healing? Shauna Bourne. I am not an imposter. Hey, an unanswered prayer happens. Just look at Greg. We pray that he'll be on his meds. We'll pray that he'll behave. Oh, goodness. <laughs> we love him. All right, seriously, we are in our week three of this Crap Happens series, and um, reason why we're doing this, if you haven't been around, is because we're just acknowledging the fact of the matter that when we live in this world, uh, you know, some unfortunate things happen, some less than fabulous things happen in life, and we just want to take an honest look at those and uh, dialogue about it a little bit. And so, so far we've tackled suffering and we've tackled insignificance, and we are going to talk today about unanswered prayer. We want to remind you, though, about the texting. If you do have questions about unanswered prayer about this message, then you can text 651-321-3030 throughout the message, and we will see what we can get to at the end. Greg's going to come back up, and we're going to try and answer some of your questions. 651-321-3030. If you do not text, you can write down your questions and put those in the back, and uh, they'll still get up to our, our guys. We have guys that will help take care of that. So, okay, let's pray. We're going to talk about unanswered prayer, so I think we need to pray. Some of you got it. A few of you. It's okay. <laughs> All right, God, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, your laughter. Thank you for uh, the ability to come and, and worship you and have a great time in your presence and also look at some um, more difficult things and really try to wrestle with that together. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your heart toward us. Lord, I do pray right now that your heart would be what is spoken today, that uh, we would get a glimpse of how uh, you feel about us, how you feel toward us. Lord, help us to understand a little better about this topic. Help us to uh, just be honest with our wrestling with it. We do give you glory. We do trust you, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, unanswered prayer. Now, I don't know about you, maybe it is just me, but I for a long time have had a problem even with that term, unanswered prayer. Um, I kind of felt like it was sacrilegious to say that there was unanswered prayer in the world. And it definitely wasn't a faith to say that there are things that we've prayed for, that we've petitioned God for, and he just didn't come through or he didn't answer in the way in which we needed. I really didn't have a good feeling about that. And somewhere along the way, um, I had heard, and this may be why I didn't have a good feeling about it, I had heard that with God there really is no unanswered prayer. That's just not true. Instead, what we have is uh, either a yes from God, um, a no from God, or a wait from God. I, I heard that, and um, now if that is something that you hold to be true in your life and that's brought you comfort, comfort, I think that's great, and I think that's fantastic and rah-rah for you, really. But um, I just did not feel like that was a, a good reason. When I have really wrestled with why certain things didn't happen, certain things that were good and certain things that I felt like would even be in God's will to happen, when it seemed like those prayers went unanswered, um, for, for me to be told that the answer was either yes, no, or wait just wasn't very much of a comfort for me. 
And so I really have struggled with the whole um, concept of unanswered prayer. Is there a such thing or not? But this is what I've come to. The fact of the matter is, no matter what you believe about that term, there are things in our life, if you're honest, you'll admit it, there are things in your life where you have prayed and you have sought God for a particular outcome, and that particular outcome did not happen. And even the very opposite of what you were praying for happens. That's reality. That's crap happening. It's okay to admit that. And it's okay to talk about that, and that's why we're here today. I think about David, who was a mighty king, and who in many times in Scripture is referred to as a man after God's own heart. And to me, whenever I think of David and when I read about David, I just assume that he had like this pipeline to God, like this direct you know, connection with God. But even David had questions. Even David had wonderings. And even David asked the question, why? All you have to do is read the Psalms to discover that. And we're going to look at one of those, a portion of one of those right now. Psalm 13, 1 through 3 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. That was honest. How long? How many times did he say, how long? And I think if we're honest, it's easy to feel, as David described. How long, God, am I going to have to wait to see your answer in this situation? How long am I going to have to pray about this particular situation? It's easy to feel as if we've been forgotten or forsaken or or rejected even by God. It's easy to feel that way when we're in that state of how long. So what do you do when you feel this way? Should we just throw our hands up and say, well, then forget it? There's no need to pray? I don't think that's the answer. So why does unanswered prayer happen? I don't know. Have a good day. No. Um, <laughs> goodbye. Um, no. no, we're going to get one thing out of the way quick. We're gonna, uh, I want to let you know what we're not talking about. Uh, what we're not talking about in regards to unanswered prayer are what I like to call the what are you smoking type prayers. Um, you know, that the wishful thinking, you know, the, the magic eight ball type prayers. I'm talking about things like... Um, you know, for those of you, maybe wives who wish your husbands all of a sudden turned into Bradley Cooper or one of those guys from Hawaii Five O, you know, probably not going to happen. I'm just saying. Or husbands, if you're thinking that something, you know, your wife will automatically cook, you know, like Martha Stewart or what, I don't know. <laughs> it could, maybe, I don't know. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, you know, for you Vikings fans who are hoping and praying by chance that maybe Brett Favre will come back out of retirement and lead the Vikings to the Super Bowl. What are you smoking? Not going to happen. I can pray all I want that Butler makes it to, you know, the final. And they might, but that's not exactly what we're talking about. You know, when I was a child, I did, I've never known my biological father, and I've never seen him, and so, but uh, never knew what he looked like, but I know my maiden name is Johnson, I know I am a passionate basketball fanatic, and so in my head, I had a little picture of 
yeah, that's my daddy. Show me the money. <laughs> you know. And what am I smoking? All right. That's not what we're talking about. I wish, but no, no, it's not. It's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is actually quite serious. What we're talking about are real-life situations that you and I and everyone listening today or watching later have experienced at some point in life or know someone who's experienced something. We're talking about when you've been in those real times of need, when you have real just uh, cries out to God and you have these honest prayers and you're really searching for honest answers and you desperately need something from him. We're talking about situations like, you know, when you are honestly praying that your family will have enough food to eat for their next meal. That's what we're talking about. You know, we're even talking about, we're going to get really, I mean, like down and dirty. We're talking about when you are praying honestly that uh, the check that you wrote doesn't clear the bank before your next deposit does. We're talking about those kinds of things. We're talking about, you know, children and, and, and spouses and people who are getting bullied at home over and over again, day in and day out, and they're praying that somehow it will stop, that the violence in their home will cease, that they won't set off the person that's doing the bullying, and yet it keeps occurring over and over again. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about when our loved ones need a miracle. We're talking about when they need a miracle of healing, sometimes even when they need a miracle just to live. We're talking about stories like Jeff and Christine. Jeff and Christine Gill are Woodland Hills parishioners living in Wales. Jeff is an artist and a designer, and he is also currently a children's pastor. Jeff uh, created this piece of artwork here. And um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. If you want to know more about this after hearing about Jeff and his wife, then we will post a link to that on our website. Uh, This particular piece of artwork that Jeff created is called Crash into the Anvil, and it is based on an experience that he and his wife Christine had with their son Tyveon. And with his permission, we're going to read the story that led to this artwork crashed into the anvil. A big part of why my illustrated autobiography got stuck for around six months is that I did not know how to write about my stillborn son. His name was Tyveon Lulin Reese Gill. He died a couple of days before his birthday. Tyveon came along too soon after our first child. We weren't ready for another child, Christine was still dealing with postnatal depression, but we decided he was a gift and began to be excited about him. We discovered that he had stuff wrong with him after Christine's second sonogram. His brain didn't develop right, neither did his circulatory system. It was a big, messy web. He had a cleft palate. The doctor told us after the autopsy that it was just one of those things that happens by chance to one in every 10,000 people. We were unlucky. Poo-poo occurs. Except it wasn't supposed to occur in our lives. I am the son of a pastor. I was a youth pastor. I was in a church that taught that God heals people. I believed that God was working actively in my life to make awesomeness happen. And why not? My life was dedicated to God If anyone was a candidate to have their kid get a miracle healing, it was me. That is what Christine and I and my parents and our whole church were praying for. 
but we got no miracle. We got reasons. Reasons why it didn't work out this time are a lot easier than questioning your beliefs. When it isn't your kid that is dead, it is really quite easy to come up with reasons and move on. That is what our church did. Christine and I did not move on so well. Her world fell apart instantly. Mine was dismantled slowly. In some ways, my dead son is still causing the dismantling of my life. Tyvion died and was born 11 and a half years ago. So what do we do with that? I mean, that would have been a great prayer to get answered, huh? But why? Why did that prayer not get answered? Sometimes we feel like we want to know the reason why. A few weeks ago, um, I had been out with my daughter running some errands, and then I had to go and do a few meetings and stuff for work. And then when I came home that evening, I went up to my room, and I found this note on my pillow, and it was by my oldest son. And this is what it says, you can see. Why did you give Afton something, and me, and Gavin, and Jensen not? Put your answer right here. So, my son is very sweet and very demanding. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, did, I had the same reaction you guys did, and it just kind of really touched my heart. But then I was like, man, that's, that's a good idea. Can I write one of these notes to God? Can I say to God, you know, seriously, uh, that situation, that thing I was waiting for, you know, could, put your answer right here. Tell me why <laughs> I'm waiting. Tell me why. That didn't get answered. And we're going to look a little bit about uh, some of the variables as to why um, our prayers don't have the desired outcome. I'm not going to go into detail about it because um, Greg Boyd has a book called Is God to Blame? And he goes into great detail about it. So um, that's something that you might want to pick up if you want to know a little bit more about these variables as to why prayer doesn't have the desired outcome. Um, in there, we, uh, he looks at God's will. That is a factor um, also, uh, faith is a huge variable, faith of the person being prayed for, and faith of the people praying, that is a variable. Um, persistence of prayer is a variable, and whether or not the outcome that you desire happens. The number of people praying, I mean, there are a ton of variables that come into play here. Human free will is a pretty huge variable, I mean, we see this when we're praying for loved ones or friends or neighbors that we know, when we're praying good things for them, things that they need to happen in their life, like salvation, or when we need, we see their need to be set free from addiction or, you know, to have provision happen in their life. Those are great prayers, and I believe that God would love for those things to happen, and sometimes they just don't. Why? Because of human free will sometimes. Human free will is a powerful thing, and as much as you want to pray something good for someone else, they still have choices to make. And our prayers do have an influence in their life, and our prayers are, can be powerful, but our prayers are not coercive. Our prayers can't make something happen. Prayer is persuasive, but it's not coercive. 
you know, um, the time that I spent living with my biological mother is just a, a clear picture of this. The fact that her choices, her free will, the things that she um, was addicted to, the various men and alcohol and drugs and means of trying to get money that wasn't exactly legal, those are all choices that she made. And as a young child, I was old enough to pray for change. I was old enough to pray that she would somehow, you know, come out of that um, lifestyle and that behavior. And it just, and today even, as, an, as a 36-year-old woman, I still pray for her wherever she is that she will begin to live a life that isn't bound by those things. But she has choices to make. And the sad part is, and what many of us have experienced, are the consequences of another's free will. That's where crap happens. And that's not ideal, and that's not what God wants for us. Angelic free will is another factor, just like human free will. Uh, there are spirit beings that have influence, and just because, and because we are in a spiritual warfare means that there sometimes can be spiritual um, interference. The presence of sin can really have an impact, too, because sin can be really powerful. It can be gripping, and sometimes that can have a hinder, hindrance on whether or not our prayers are answered. But this is the thing. All those variables are true and right, but... No one variable is like the deciding factor. And it's not like you can always say, oh, um, if this person wasn't healed, therefore it must have been this variable. Or if that person wasn't set free, therefore it must have been this variable. There is no magic formula to let us know how things work together or don't work together to get our prayers answered. Unfortunately, it's just not possible. The fact of the matter is we live in a war zone between love and evil. We live in a war zone between God's love for us, his people, his creation, and the evil of the enemy. And what we have to remember is just because we're dealing with unanswered prayer, it doesn't mean that we just give up. We have to remember that things really, really do hang in the balance when we pray. I mean, things are affected. Things are impacted. Sometimes you don't even know the influence that you're having when you pray. And I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to tell you, like I said in the beginning, I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm sorry if you came thinking you were going to get the answer. I don't have it. If you do, let me know. I don't know why some of the things we pray for don't happen. I know it can be heartbreaking. I know it could be gut-wrenching. I know that when you're praying for your child to be healed and it doesn't happen, that takes you to a point of desperation that you just don't even ever want to experience or think you can ever come out of. I know that when you are praying for food for your family or you're praying for a neighbor who desperately needs Jesus and you're not seeing the desired answers, I know that that can just wear on you physically. It can wear on you emotionally. I know that. And I don't know why. The answer doesn't come quickly or in a timely fashion when we need it, or sometimes not at all. I don't know why, but this is what I do know. I do know that we are not alone in the midst of our pain. I do know that God is not the only piece to this puzzle. I do know that I have to believe that if God had his perfect way, it would all be taken care of. There would not be hurt. There would not be pain. There would not be despair, but that's just not the world that we live in. And in the midst of our crap, that's happening in our life, 
you can rest assured, even when you don't have the strength to pray, even when you don't have the wherewithal to believe for anything, that you've got at least one. And he's a powerful one, and his name is Jesus. And he is right there with you, and he is praying for you. From the inside of your crap, he's praying in your midst against the evil and the suffering that's coming your way. And that's a pretty powerful thing. He's feeling right along with us in the disappointment. He is just right there, and you are not alone. We do have a promise that we will be redeemed. Romans 8.28 is a verse that has been used a lot, and I honestly have found it to be trite in situations, and so I really want to try to treat this sensitively. But Romans 8.28 says says that we know that all things work together for good for those who are called to God, blah, blah, blah. You know the verse. If you don't look it up, Romans 8.28. Um, and I have, I have found that in my life to be trite because there are times when I didn't understand how any of what was happening could be uh, good. I didn't understand how any of it could be worked together for good. And so, um, you know, when you're dealing with hunger, when you're dealing with pain, when you're dealing with possibly eviction, when you're dealing with a spouse that's just going off and crazy, when you're dealing with, you know, who, all the crap that we deal with, how can we say that it can all work together for good? Well, this is how. Because, like I said, we have a God who so passionately and ferociously loves you that he is powerful enough and loving enough to take the ickiest, most desperate, most hurtful, most painful situation, work on you, work in that, and somehow bring good out of it. The entire range of our experiences and events that we may face, God has a plan to renew it all every last bit and you can rest assured that no matter how much it hurts now no matter how confused you are now no matter how much doubt you have now that what you are feeling now is not the end it is not the final answer in the end love wins out and i know it's not the end yet but as we're waiting as, as we're just going through our life, we can know that we've got one who's suffering right along with us. Think about, you know, when you have someone that you care about that is in a, in a place of hurting. You hurt with them. Do not think that our Lord Jesus doesn't hurt right along with us. Do not think that he doesn't take your pain and feel it just as intensely as you do, maybe even more so. You are not alone. You have got an intercessor with you. Um, and, and like I said, until, until love wins out in the end, we have a support system. We have the Almighty right there with us. Uh, last week was um, my kids' spring break, and so we went down to Texas to get to some warm weather. And um, on the way back home, we have a lot of time in the car. It can, it's really kind of like a 24-hour drive. When it comes to, you know, you got four kids and all the stops and all the stuff. So it's about a 24-hour drive. And um, I was uh, praying about this message because I knew that it wasn't going to be... It's a hard topic to tackle. I don't know if you guys realize this, but it is. It's hard. You know, it's not like I can get up here and do a cheer and a dance and somehow you're going to think it's all better. I mean, if I thought that would make it better for you, I would do it. <laughs> but I, it's not going to make it better. We still have these, these questions. And so on the way home, I was just praying and driving, and I kept, um, I heard the Lord just kind of speak to my spirit, beauty for ashes. And I was like, you know, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. Uh, that I know that it's in reference to a verse that, that has meant a lot to me in my life. I definitely feel like um, there's been some redemptive things happen in my life, and I really 
praise God for those things. So thank you for that reminder, Lord. And then we keep driving through Texas and we get into Oklahoma and I, I sense again, beauty for ashes. Thank you, Lord. Yep, I, I agree with that. I thank you for that. Let's get back to unanswered prayer. And so driving along through Missouri and I hear again, beauty for ashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got beauty for ashes. I need unanswered prayer. So, you know, uh, driving through Iowa, and I'm really needing to hear from God because when you're driving through Iowa, you need something. You need Jesus bad. But you know what he said? Beauty for ashes. All right, into the Twin Cities. Again, beauty for ashes. So finally, I am a stubborn woman, but I'm not so stubborn that I don't, I didn't, okay, maybe he's saying something to me regarding unanswered prayer in, you know, beauty for ashes. So let me go check that out and look that up. And so I want to read to you what I um, was hearing all across the U.S. Beauty for ashes. And it's from Isaiah 61, the first three verses. Jesus quoted this portion of scripture. Um, we read about that back in Luke 4. But here it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called mighty oaks. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That is what Jesus is all about. And so when we ask the question, why? I don't have any answers. When my sweet son gave me this adorable little note, he wanted to know why. And so rather than writing my answer right here, I called him in and I tried to talk to him. And I I did. I had logical reasons as to why I bought his little sister a $5 toy and did not buy anything for him or his brothers, did not mean to, you know, horribly wound this child. I was, you know, so I tried to explain it. And I think logically he understood it, but his little heart was still hurt. His little heart was still tender and he was still a little teary about it. And he felt just like, you know. He was forgotten about. And I guess it's that way with us, too. I mean, we can maybe even be able to pinpoint to some of those different variables and and get a semblance of an answer as to the reason why certain ones of our prayers aren't answered. But my guess is it's not going to take away the hurt. It's not going to take away the pain. And I don't know that it's meant to. I think sometimes, unfortunately, we just have to feel it. Now, if we can get a little bit of reassurance, that's fantastic. If we can get a little bit of help in coping, I think that's great. And so I I don't know why we don't always get those answers, but this is what I do know. This is what I know from this scripture. I do know that that we will eventually have good news. I do know that eventually the uh, the brokenhearted will be bound up. I do know that there will be freedom for each and every single one of us. I do know that we will receive comfort and provision I do know that instead of ashes, those things in life that are just hard, ashes representing uh, things gone horribly wrong, ashes representing death, ashes representing despair, ashes representing alienation, I know that in place of those things, 
God will give us a crown of beauty. And that crown of beauty, that's for royalty. That's for you guys. That's because he loves you that much that he can take the ickiness and turn it into something absolutely beautiful. You know what? Royalty is what gets to wear the crown. You know, it's not the alienated. It's not those who are in mourning. It's not, I mean, that, that's the ash. But you guys are going to be wearing a crown of beauty. And it's because of that that you will be able to, to uh, display the splendor of the king. When people look at you and they look at your life and they see the things that you've gone through and your experiences, they're, they're going to see the splendor of the king. They're going to see the glory, gloriousness of our God. And I want you to hang on to that and know, no matter where you are right now, that eventually there is coming a time when that's going to be restored. It's going to be renewed. It's going to be redeemed. And you don't have to just hold out for hope. You can know that right here and now, today, you've got that one praying on your behalf right there with you and uh, suffering along beside us, bringing us through by his grace and by his love and causing us to shine like we were meant to shine. So that's that. Amen. All right. I want to, I, that was abrupt because I want to get to the questions and I want Greg to come up because I know he can't stand to be down there for too long. So, but I'm bum. Hey, didn't you do great? Didn't you do great? I can. That always scares me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and if there are any uh, chief therapists in the house, her child definitely is going to be needing me. some uh, recovery here. Just not feeling loved yet. He's not. Poor thing. <laughs> poor, poor thing. All right. All right. So this is from anonymous. You ready? All right. Uh, we have come up with many excuses, yikes, why God is not capable of answering prayers. Do we just need to lower our expectations for this life? I did my part. You answered the question. Uh, well, you know, I, I, two things. One is... Um, you know, there honestly is is uh, uh, a part of me that would like to say, yeah, let's, let's just lower the expectations. Yeah. You know, it would be easier. C.S. Lewis said something once. I mentioned this last service. Um, I read it in college. I think it's from his Reflections on the Psalms. But he, he said, um, uh, it's, not, it's not the unanswered prayer that bothers me so much as the promises of prayer. Uh, he wouldn't have these expectations if it weren't for all these promises. And, and I, I can relate to that. Um, it's the disappointments. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can have a thing anyways where I'd rather be surprised than disappointed. So I always want to lower the bar. So you're you pessimist. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, okay. I, just, I, I don't like to let down. The trouble is, however, that, that uh, I regard the Bible as being inspired and authoritative. And, and it, the Bible is what gives us these promises yeah. that, that prayer is powerful and effective. Um, on the other hand, we see that it often is not answered. And so we try to do our best in, in terms of thinking, why isn't it answered? And, and you know, giving the variables as you talked about and, and just living in the, this kind of the mystery of this war zone and things panning out the way they do. And, and being real, real with that, as you were today, but at the same time holding on to faith and saying, I'm going to keep on trusting that prayer is powerful mm-hmm. and effective, even if I can't see how, it is, um, how, how, how it's always answered. Uh, it helps me a lot to, to remember that faith is not psychological certainty. Right. So that I don't need to be trying to constantly convince myself that something's going to happen uh, when, when I know that it might not. Right. And because and you burn, at least I burned out on that uh, rather quickly. 
Uh, just to know it's okay to say, I don't know if this is going to turn out, but I do know my, this prayer right here now is going to make a difference. It, it's influential, not coercive. Yeah. Uh, I'm partnering with God to bring about God's will on, on, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Next. <laughs> From Mark. Could unanswered prayers sometimes be due to God removing his influence from us, sort of like with Job or Israel in the Old Testament? Could. Could. Sure. Could. Sure. Yeah. Possible. Possible. Yeah, I, 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 you definitely see that pattern in the Bible. It kind of relates to what John said earlier about sin being one of the variables that mm-hmm. affects uh, the power of prayer mm-hmm. and whether prayer in a given instance uh, will be answered. Um, uh, there's certainly I, I, one of the main ways that God punishes throughout the Bible. It's not that he actually does stuff, uh, but that he withdraws his influence and, and lets evil run its course. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, the verse you read uh, from David earlier where he says, well, God, why are you hiding from me? Hiding is one of the main metaphors they use when they sense that God has withdrawn his protective presence. And so that can be one of the variables. Yeah. Uh, it's something to look at. But it's very important, very, very, very important not to turn any principle into a formula. Right. Where now you say, ah, well, the reason why anything happens that's bad or the reason why any prayer isn't answered is because uh, God's punishing you yeah. or he's pulling off his influence from you or whatever, as though God's really got it in for Japan right now or exactly. something. Uh, the world's a lot more complex than that. Yeah. I think that all goes back to our view of God, because if that's the only perception you have is that God's withdrawing his presence from you, then, you know... That's not a, that's not a, if that's, if that's always the reason why your prayers doesn't get answered, then that's not a very loving God, right. you know? So. And, and then you have this, this, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it either. I mean, right. if that was always the case, you would think that uh, us righteous folks would have our prayers answered more frequently than those, those nasty folks. But it turns out that those nasty folks sometimes just pray these arbitrary little prayers and, and get rich off of it, whereas For us sure. righteous folks never get rich. What's up with that? Where's my what up with that? Where's my Where's lottery? Where's the money? Show me the money. Okay, my dad be Magic Johnson. Okay, from, from John. What are you smoking? I really want to know. What are you smoking? Statistically, it seems like very few of my prayers get answered. Someone's keeping a log of their prayers. Uh, what? Well, yeah. How do I still pray expectantly? That's mm. your turn. Okay. You are so... Uh, statistically... Well, that makes me sad right there, statistically. All right, so I would just say it's uh, how do you still pray expectantly because we have to have faith that our prayers do have some sort of impact. Yeah. They have some sort of influence. And had it not been our prayers or the prayers of others, where would we be in this world? And so, you know, I don't know, statistically, have your prayers really gone unanswered? Or I can't speak to that because I don't know, you know, the life that we're talking about here. But I still feel yeah. like even if it works one time, even if I see one answer to prayer, even if I just see the desired effect come about one time, that's got to be worth it than mm. not at all. Yeah. Well, but yeah. And I think here again, it helps to two, two things. One is, and you can't alluding to this, that. Often, I think prayers get answered more than we think they do right. because we stop looking for the answer or we expect it to be answered in a particular this way. way I mean, if you, think, if you yeah. see prayer as, as, as influence rather than the exercise of Neanderthal power, last week we talked about Neanderthal power that's coercive and it's just fiat. Um, 
And, and if, you, if you're thinking about it in those ways, then, then you want prayer to be answered in exact. you expect prayer to be answered exactly the way you prayed it. But if prayer is an influence where we align our hearts with God to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven, then you can think about it in terms of degrees. Yeah. Uh, okay, there was, it was answered to this extent. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. But that takes faith to look for. And so that might be one thing. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, is, is that I, I really relate to this. Uh, a lot. The last several years, I've undergone a change in my own thinking on this, as I shared during this Faith and Doubt series, where I thought it was my job to pray, to pray expectantly, and by that, I meant having a high degree of certainty uh, and confidence that it would be answered the particular way I'm praying it. Mm-hmm. And so you, 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 you pump yourself up, the line on the Wizard of Oz syndrome, where you say, I do believe, I do believe, I do, I do, I do believe, and you have to really, really expect, okay, this person's really going to be healed now. And then you get let down if it doesn't happen. And statistically, I would agree with this. I have been let down more than I've seen it answered. And I think most of us here have. Um, but now, I, what I, the way I frame it now is that my faith is not an expectation that of a particular outcome in this instance of prayer. My faith, rather, is a vision of this person being healed. Uh, that I believe to be God's will. That will eventually happen uh, it, when, when all things are headed up in Christ. In the end, but I would like to see, and I think God would like to see it happen now. Mm-hmm. So I get a vision as though it were so now. This is Hebrews 11. This is what faith is: mm-hmm. the substance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things you don't yet see. And you push towards it. So I push to, for me to pray expectantly is to pray with this vision in mind, and to be pushing towards that, knowing that it will eventually be answered. Because love wins, as Shauna said uh, earlier. But I don't know. I, I, I don't have to pretend or talk myself into it happening, thinking it's going to happen right now. I hope it does. I hope it does. Uh, but but uh, I'm not going to be uh, despondent if it doesn't. Yeah, now, some people will say that is a lack of faith, but that's the best I can do. I think it's biblical. Yeah. Cool. All right. So this is from Ted. I think we can do this one. It seems that Jesus answered and healed every need he met in his ministry, yet it doesn't seem to happen that way in our everyday life. What is the difference? Yeah. We're not Jesus. No, <laughs> well, why not? He's the Son of God. He had a little advantage there. Uh, you know, there was. Can I move this? Your oh, water you, you has do a you feet. Oh, yeah. Your water is, and you don't. I don't think it's going to sit there. Okay. Yeah, that may not work. Like, may I hold uh, your water? Okay. <laughs> I will let you hold my water. Thank you. Yeah, I got to massage feet after the service. Yeah, all true. Everybody line up. <laughs> Well, you know, that kind of goes back to this whole thing about uh, C.S. Lewis saying what bothers me is not the unanswered prayer, but the, the holding out of the expectation uh, and the promises. Where it, the, the, it wouldn't bother me at all if Jesus could just do all the miracles and, and, and that he was the miracle worker and we're not. I, I, could, I could deal with that. The trouble is, is that he was the miracle worker and then he said in John 14, greater things than these shall you do. That's therein lies the, 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 the problem. And I just got to be okay saying, yeah, that's a problem. That bugs me. I, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, I can give you some variables and some other things. But um, uh, in the end, I can't answer the question. Um, I have enough reasons, however, for believing that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the revelation of God. He reveals uh, the, the deepest truth about who God is, who I am, who you are. And I, have, I can give you all my reasons for believing that. And however aggravated I am by the fact that the, 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 the appearance of, of uh, miracle-working miracle power that we are supposed to have, it doesn't show up as much as I would think it would. That doesn't trump all my reasons for believing he's the Son of God. And so I'll keep on believing and I'll keep on obeying, which means I'm going to keep on praying and I'm going to keep on, on pushing forward. 
Um, and then we do our best to try to understand questions like this. So in this case, I think it does help that Jesus, you know, as a perfect sinless human being, uh, had, a, had a relationship with God that we're to aspire towards, but I don't think any, any, any of us are there. And I suspect one of the reasons why he batted almost 100%, though even he didn't bat 100%, he had a few times where the prayer wasn't answered. Yeah. Uh, and it had nothing to do with God's will or his faith. It had to do with the faith of the, the people he was praying for. Yeah. Um, but it was part of it was that, that it, it, he's listening to God. And so uh, God knows all the variables. Listen to the Father. The Father knows all the variables. So he, he only prays for those ones uh, where, uh, where it would be effective to pray for them. Um, and, you know, that'd be uh, the kind of consideration you mm-hmm. look at. And there's other things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, it's, it's a very, very tough question. And you just got to keep plowing forward. Yeah. I had something good to say, but you kept talking. Oh, no, I, I, okay, say, no, say, I say, lost it. I oh, lost go. Don't play it. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No fair. Well, if it, if it comes back to you, I'll interrupt we, have, we have two minutes and you can okay, okay, let's, let's do one more one and maybe okay. Sean will answer or remember what she was going to say. Maybe. All right. So from I'll Anonymous, how do I explain to my kids who are doing without today that we are waiting for God and not to worry? How do I continue to reassure them when nothing seems to be happening? I wouldn't put that on God. <laughs> We're waiting on God mm-hmm. when your kids are in need and want. Would you? Well, in, in a sense, though, you, you, you want to say you're, you're trusting on God. Yeah. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't want to blame God for there being a lack of something. Uh, so God's not the only variable in this. But uh, Dealing with kids here. So yeah, yeah, you're you... dealing with kids. And so... What I would say is that we're going to pray, we're going to you know, trust that God yeah. cares about us, He provides for us. At the same time, you model for them what it is to be uh, a responsible human being where uh, you know, God, God does provide, but He often, in fact, usually, maybe always provides through other means. Yeah. So you do everything in your power to go about meeting these needs, uh, you know, getting a job, uh, or, or uh, asking, for help. asking for help, going to other social agencies, other, talking to the church. Doing whatever is in your power to to get these 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 needs meet, met, all the while understanding that you're in a war zone where God's will isn't the only variable that comes to pass. There are righteous people who starve, yeah. and that's the reality of the world we live in. So, you know, that's that's why you pray and trust God, but you also do everything in your power uh, to uh, meet the need that is there. Yeah. And tr- teaching kids how to live in that ambiguity is a very very important thing to do. Most adult Christians that I know uh, or have known in my uh, in, in ministry haven't learned that. Because there's a part of us that all wants this magical formula, the quick fix. Just mm-hmm. tell me. It's going to be okay, right? It's going to be if I just hold on to this, if I just pray this, if I just do this, then it's for sure going to happen. And, and in the real world, you know, the, the reality is that, that, that it doesn't always happen like that. Right. There's a lot of folks right down now in Haiti whose needs aren't being met, and it's not because of anything they did or, no. or they're not praying enough. Uh, no, they, we live in a war zone world. And so um, there's ambiguity uh, that, that we have to just kind of grow into. It's part of growing up, I think. Yeah. Okay, from Sarah. Thousands of people have died in the recent tsunami in Japan. So how can I pray for things like my son to get over his cough? It just seems silly and selfish in comparison. You have the perfect answer for this. No, I don't. You, you take it away. You want me to take it? I'll, I'll take a step out. Okay, you want and if you get it wrong, then I'll yeah, if I get it wrong, then you'll correct me. Thanks. I'm not your husband. Oh. You. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I I really relate to that question. Uh, 
sometimes it does seem like when you look at the, the whole uh, state of the world and global disasters and, and the misery that, that multitudes of people have to go through, you feel very trivial asking about your little tiny question. I mentioned this several weeks ago with uh, my neck issues. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, in terms of the painometer of the globe, uh, this just doesn't register that high. There's a value, I think, in, in as you're looking at any kind of miserable thing in your life, to, to, to step back a little bit and look at it from a, 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 a larger scale so that you, it really saves us from kind of moping and feeling pity for ourselves when we compare us, you know, see how, how bad other people have it. So there's some value on that. On the other hand, the fact that maybe it doesn't really, it doesn't, uh, really register on the painometer as high as the tsunami in, uh, in Japan or something like that doesn't mean that it's not a real problem for you. Right. And, 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 uh, and, and the Bible tells us that God cares about the hairs of your head. Uh, cares about, I mean, he knows about the, the, every hair on your head, cares about the little things. Just like, you know, my, with my, my kids, and I'm sure Sean with, with her kids, uh, if she could just remember how many kids she has, that would so be helpful. But, so hard. Um, but, you know, the, 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 kids, the problems that your kids have, you know, don't compare usually uh, to the problems of the world, but as, your, as their parent, you care about them. And, and so it's part of love just kind of comes into that moment, steps down and steps into the, the, the personal issue that, that your child has. Well, that's how God is with us. It may not, re, you know, it, and besides, it's not a contest whose problem is bigger. Uh, God relates to us as individuals. So the fact that you haven't, he, he cares about the most trivial problems and wants us to bring those to him. Uh, scripture tells us to do that. And so while it's valuable to compare it to the globe problems in terms of staying out of self-pity and wallowing in, in your pain and all that, while there's a value in that, it's also important to realize that God has a personal attention to you and, um, uh, and to bring up even stuff that seems uh, trivial just because he is your father and cares about those little things. Yeah. Ditto. Good. No, yeah. No, I do. I think because he loves us, he's able to, yes, attend to the devastation in Japan, but also attend to your son's cough because he loves you. And uh, I don't think he would say to us, oh, that's not important enough for my attention. Right. You know, that's not the love of a father. So It's, it's I think, important uh, to always remember that, that God's attention, his intelligence, and, and his love have no limit. And the reason that's important is because the reason why we tend to uh, uh, have issues with, with uh, you know, in comparing our, our problems with global problems is because we have limited attention and a limited capacity to love. And so we have to sort of decide what's going to get our attention or not. So the bigger something is, the more attention it gets from us. And the smaller things we've got to let slide because we only have so much to go around. But God's not like that. Right. God's not like that. So, so God cares about you as though you were the only person that ever existed, and therefore cause, cares about your little problem as though it was the only problem that existed. Because he doesn't, doesn't have to spread his, his attention and love thin to cover the multitude of the world's problems. Right. Squeaky wheel. Chew on that a little bit. Yes. But it's not that. Okay, next question. From Joseph. I've heard that God knows our hearts, and if that's true, why do we need to pray? Doesn't he already know what we'll ask for? Why do we pray? I don't know. No. God, just read my mind. Yeah. Well, isn't it? We're in a relationship, right, with God. And yes. um, just like I may know what my husband's thinking because I'm that smart. 
Um, totally. Yeah. No, but see, I, I, it, we're in a relationship, so we talk to one another, and there's something on his heart. I want to hear about it. I want to, mm, I want to talk about good. it. And um, I know you're going to go deeper than what I'm saying. Don't put pressure on me. <laughs> go. But uh, I, I think... It, when we do pray, we do have an influence. And so I don't think we should just assume, oh, God knows what I'm thinking anyway, so what's the point? You know, I, I don't know. Just no, and, and there's something uh, where, you know, I, I assume this is sort of what's true in your marriage and other relationships, where, <laughs> what's he going to say now? Uh, where uh, you know, the process of communicating um, itself is, is relationship building. Mm-hmm. And it's not just information conveyance. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I find that in the process of processing, mm-hmm. um, which my wife likes to do a whole lot more than I do. They, they always like, oh, this process. It's like, we have to. But yes. I, yes. I can just read my mind. <laughs> but it's, it's, that, that, that process of doing that helps clarify what the issues are. A lot of times you don't even know what you really think until you start talking about it. Yeah. And, and so it's partly, I think, for our sake that God says, talk to me about what's on your heart, because yeah. that helps form what's on our heart, and it helps build the relationship. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it accomplishes something. You just can't, uh, way better than just sitting back and saying, God, read my mind. Right. And it's two-way. I mean, when we pray, it's not just us spewing our stuff to him. It's, That's him. A good it's point. listening to him and what he has to say to us. That's exactly it. It's not supposed to be a monologue. Right. It's not supposed to be a dialogue. Right. Good. Perfect. All right. From Casey. Perfect. That's another one adjective I've got to remember tomorrow when I'm imitating you. If God doesn't assert his power over people and in the Anderthal-type fashion, they were listening to you, uh, can you please explain how prayers, especially ones that involve a miracle such as healing, get answered? That's a good question. All right. This is a very good question. It relates to something that Shauna said tonight. How would you put it? Uh, prayer is persuasive but not coercive. Yeah. That, okay, that, that, that's deep. No, that, that is so good. Um, I, I, think, I, think, I think so vital. See, if God was using Neanderthal power, which if you weren't here last week, is just the power to coerce, the power to unilaterally decide something, make something come about. Neanderthal power, brute force, boom, it's going to be this way. Um, a lot of folks think that that's kind of how God is and just kind of runs everything that way, just decrees it and it comes to pass. I don't believe that. Um, there are times where God operates like that, but I don't think that's his normal mode of operation because as Shauna said uh, tonight, uh, the kind of world that God's created is, uh, is for love relationships and therefore he's made uh, agents, humans, and angels free. And where you have free will in play to that degree, to the extent that you have free will in play, you can't use Neanderthal power. Uh, the, 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 it's like trying to create a round triangle or married bachelors or something of the sort. It's a, it, there's a contradiction of terms there. So God ordinarily works with persuasion. Yeah. And, and, and when, you, when you think of it in those terms, it really, I think, ans- it sets you up to have an answer to a whole lot of questions that you otherwise couldn't answer. When we pray, we are aligning our hearts with God, which increases the influence of God in this world. God works through influence more than anything else. And because he wants a relationship with us, at least this is how I would answer it, um, it, because he wants a relationship with us, he hardwires it into creation so that uh, communication with him accomplishes a lot. In fact, according to scripture, it's like one of the most important things we do mm-hmm. is uh, we have say so by communicating with God. And that's because relationship and communication that's the center of the whole thing. So when we talk with God, we are increasing the, the kingdom influence in the world, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it's not coercive. 
if, if, if it could be done coercively, then God wouldn't need our help at all. I mean, if God runs things in a Neanderthal way, now you've got to wonder, why would we pray? Because right. he's going to do, do what he's going to do anyway. Right. But if you understand God's power and, 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 and his influence in the world in terms of influence and persuasion rather than control, then you can begin to understand why he would set it up, why prayer can actually make a difference. And why sometimes it, it's, it's sufficient to bring about the effects that we're praying for, but sometimes it's not. Right. It's because we're not talking about Neanderthal power or magic. We're talking about influence. We partner with God uh, to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven through influence. Yep. Yes, I agree. All right. Good. From Steve, I get that we live in a war zone and there are complex variables to prayer. But that makes it seem like my one prayer is a single drop of water in an ocean. How am I supposed to believe that it really makes a difference? Got anything you want to say on that? Well, I just, maybe I'm just too simple. But for me, it all goes back to relationship and the fact that we have a relationship with a God who is so loving. So, yeah, your little one-ounce prayer matters to him. It, and it does make a difference. And yeah. I don't think it's inconsequential or it's... Sequential. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's an important point that, that even if, even if it, it, it didn't make a difference in the world, it makes a difference in terms of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing is, is that in, in, in a lot of the traditional understanding of prayer, because the... A lot of folks have understood God's prayer or, or God's power in the world to be a Neanderthal control type of power. They couldn't see any place, any role that prayer really would have. How could prayer really make a difference in the world if God is already running the world in a controlling way? And so what's happened is uh, in, in some uh, traditional theologies about prayers, they went to the other extreme to, to say that prayer doesn't make a difference in the world or doesn't make a difference in terms of changing what God's going to do, but it, it makes a difference in our lives. So prayer is simply for the relationship. It just simply benefits us. But that, I submit to you, is not biblical either, because in the Bible you have things really hang upon prayer, as Shana was saying tonight. Things, you know, if you pray, then you will hear from heaven. Then God will heal the, your land. And, and you over and over again see that there are if-then statements associated with prayer. So prayer really does make a difference in the world, although it's also true that it's there to, to build our relationship uh, w- with God. That doesn't yet answer the question that was asked, however, because the, the person saying, given all these variables, yeah. uh, you know, you factor in, and I'll talk more about this next week, about why we experience the world to be so arbitrary. Uh, you know, sometimes, it, it, you know, praying for things, uh, it, it feels like, like you're, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, change the direction of a hurricane by blowing at it. Or you're trying to alter the, the, the orbit of the earth by jumping up and down really hard. Uh, you know, or, or, or something of the sort. And that's, I think, where you have to just come back to uh, a, a confidence in God, where you basically say this. Uh, God tells me that prayer is powerful and effective. James 5.16. Um, and that it makes a difference. And so I just have to believe that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes down to Faith. It comes down to faith. God said that it makes a difference. And so I'm going to... Faith is not about having a certainty uh, or even the knowledge of how it's making a difference. Faith is uh, about having enough confidence to act in a certain way, as we talked about several weeks ago. And so for me, I just will believe that uh, because it's promised me in the word that my prayer is powerful and effective, I will pray 
uh, on the assumption that it's powerful and effective, I'll keep acting in this way. And um, I may not see how it's powerful and effective until the other side of the curtain. But, yeah, in the end, you operate by faith. Yeah, and you also said before that um, what would happen had we not prayed? I mean, because our prayers have an influence, what if we took even that bit of influence away? You know, it could have been much worse. It it would be an interesting thing if, when we get to heaven, if if God would show us sort of a... Now, if you're a Molinist and believe in counterfactual middle knowledge, you can go with this illustration. Otherwise, you might have trouble with it. Uh, but uh, if, if when we get to heaven, I was kidding when I said that. Uh, if, if God could like suction out all the influence of prayer and show us how history might have unfolded had we not prayed. Yeah. Uh, it, only then would we see the difference that prayer makes. Yeah. Anytime, we just have to take it by, by faith. It's a wonderful life. Okay. I think we have time. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. That would be a great That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that, that it's a wonderful life it actually presupposes a Molinist counterfactual middle knowledge perspective when it comes to the theological ontology of wood counterfactuals. You should have just asked me. All right. I would have told you. <laughs> okay. Tomorrow we'll get that straight. All right. All right. I think we have time for one. Well, one more. One more. Okay. From Deb, you mentioned that angels and demons are, are variables with influence and free will that affect prayer in other situations. Do they actually have influence or power over people? I, I did my part. <laughs> okay. Your part. Right. Uh, gosh. I have to announce and answer the question. <laughs> Uh, look, you know, as I as I read scripture, uh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, demonic powers, um, Satan and and principalities and powers and rulers and authorities, all that stuff mentioned in the New Testament, they definitely have influence uh, over people. Um, they, uh, you know, it's part of the fallen structure of the world. There's, there's, that's what temptation is. There, there's this 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 lure towards you know the dark side, and that's one of the ways that they influence us. Um, and, and I think ultimately, I mean, the, at least a great deal of the evil in this world is the result of the influence of principalities and powers and demonic forces, um, luring people into uh, destructive and, and, and dangerous uh, decisions. Having said that, I want to say this, and that is that, while I think they have a, a significant influence in the world just like we do, but even more so, it's also the case that when it comes to our soul, uh, there, we can't, you can't ever be, I don't believe, um, uh, uh, the, 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 whatever influence the enemy has is because we make ourselves vulnerable to him. And that when we're walking with God and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we are uh, walking in dependency on, on, on Jesus Christ, uh, there is a protection, at least in our innermost being, in our heart. I mean, that's what the Bible tells us, to guard our heart. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't tell us that else it was possible to guard your heart. And so I don't think that a, that a, a person can be made evil without their wanting to be made evil, mm-hmm. uh, or at, at least in incremental stages to go down that path. I do think that, that this uh, scripture really shows that there can, however, be um, uh, influences in other areas of our life. Just like we, with our own free will human beings, uh, you, can, you can harm innocent people with your decisions. So also, in a war zone, innocent people, I think, take hits uh, from, from spiritual forces. Um, that's part of what I'll touch on a little bit next week. So the answer would be, uh, I, I would say yes. Yeah. It can influence those things. This is from Sarah. I'm going to read it. Go ahead. Okay, good. And then we'll both answer it. Okay, perfect. I believe in Romans 8:28 <laughs> and beauty for others. Oh, sorry, beauty for ashes. But I struggle with unanswered prayer. Should we just accept the crap knowing that God is working in it? Mm-hmm. So should we accept it? Because God's working in it. 
You know, it's, it's a, a really a, a fine dance, it seems to me, as to knowing uh, know when to push back and knowing when to accept. I, right. and, and there's no, like, stopping point on that. I, you're always having to, uh, to kind of def- to, to define that moment by moment. Um, and and the, the thing is, if you don't if you don't push back enough, you end up accepting stuff that's not of God and just right. and just kind of just being a popsicle carried on the stick down the river, and you know you you don't engage in warfare or anything like that. On the other hand, if you don't accept any of the crap that comes your way, you end up always being angry and ticked off, and yeah. and nothing's ever right. And so there's a there's a time to accept and to have a peace about stuff. Just say this is the way it is. And just trust that God will be at work in to bring good out of it. There's other times where we're supposed to fight. Um, but uh, beyond that, I can't, I don't know any formula to tell people, well, here's, here's how you tell the one or the other. You have to really just follow the spirit and be in dialogue with uh, your you know, community of, of people who know your life a little bit yeah. and work out the wisdom in a case-by-case basis. Yeah. But that, that, that's a very, very good question. Yeah. Been, There's no quadratic formula for that, is No there? quadratic. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, nor any differential equation that I know of that could really resolve this. <laughs> There's just not one. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, it's a case-by-case thing, and you have to just trust that um, you, you will know when you need to fight. You will know when you need to relent, you know. You will know that when you need to just accept. And like I said, I think community is important because if you're just going through this alone, then you're yeah. going to have a singular view about it. But if you've got people in your life that can help, then they'll maybe be able to um, have some input there. So. And it seems like it goes also in seasons. Um, like I've just recently been in a season where I feel like God is on a lot of things telling me, you know what, right now I just accept that. Just relax. You know, it's, you have to just walk in this. He'll, I'll learn from it and, you know, whatever. Uh, but just to, to learn how to have, be at peace in the midst of yep. a hurricane. Yep. And that comes like, it is what it is. It is what it is. I've been saying that to myself all the time lately. It is what it is. And I think I'm supposed to say that. Um, it doesn't mean I accept everything, like, oh, that's just, you know, a sucky world and we got to... No, there's a time to fight, but on a lot of areas of my life, I'm surprised even that I feel let it go in that way. Now, I think there'll be other times where it's like, man, we're going to declare yeah. war and rebuke and you yeah. pray and intercede and whatever. But you really got to, you know, be seeking God's wisdom on, on that because it's, like you said, there's not a quadratic formula that will lead us to a differential equation that will resolve all these matters. There's not. All right. All right. This is from Anonymous. I've... Oh, that's easier. That's closer. I didn't know this was there. I've dealt with chronic pain. I didn't know it either. All this time, I never knew we had a screen right there. See, I was just looking at that one. You need me. Cause you need That's me. why I have neck pain. I'm always straining to read the... Oh, this is, All right. The screen's over there, too. This is a miracle. This is a church. Greg needs meds. Okay, I have dealt with chronic pain and have prayed for healing oh. for years. When do we stop praying for something that remains unanswered? Uh. Bingo. Yeah. I don't know. Take a first Go. Uh, yes. Well, Tell us. you know, that, that's that's one, as I've shared here, I've, I'm just beginning to live in the reality of that one myself, where uh, uh, I just have this neck thing and I'm doing all I can do to take care of it. And it's not like constant severe pain, uh, but it's, it's constant irritation. And then it, it's severe when you don't forget that you have this thing and then you turn your neck and... <laughs> And so, and that's, that, that's irritating. It's, it's like knocking your head into the corner of a door every once in a while. And so you pray. I, you know, I, 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 I've been every service, uh, or almost every service, getting prayer during the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, after the service and having friends pray for me and, you know, constantly, you know, coming at it. Um, I think that's what I'm supposed to do at this season. I, I, I don't, I, 
there's, I can't say I specifically let, feel led to I get prayer every time I, I get prayer. I just think it's what you should do. I, we're not to take these things easy. I mean, the paradigm of Jesus is to come against these things, mm-hmm. right? And, and we base our life on, on him. So he came against it. So our default setting should be, let's come against this. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, there can come times where God says, you, you, know, you can't shoot at everything all the time. Right. And um, uh, there comes a time, I think, if we're, if we're listening to him, where he says, okay, let that one go. And he did that with Paul in 2 yeah, Corinthians 12. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, right now, I'm going to use you in this situation. Now, that doesn't mean that it was his ideal will or that he brought it. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, it was Satan that brought on the thorn in the flesh that was afflicting Paul. But, but in this case, God's got something to leave that there. So there's a time to push and there's a time to let go. Uh, and, and that, too, can change because the variables change. Yeah. So just because God said, relax, you know, let, let go of that one now, doesn't mean that it won't come a time a year from now where I'll say, you know what, I want you to start praying about that again. Yeah. So you just have to be listening to the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. And... Yeah. Well, and Paul knew. You know, he was told. He had a sense, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're just going to leave this. And so I would say if you've got a chronic pain and you have not sensed the Lord saying, you know, it's, it's yours to keep, Keep praying. Keep praying for his wholeness, his health in your body. Keep praying. Um, at, but at the same time, I think learning and, and listening to God and seeing, you know, how can he be glorified in that situation, recognizing mm-hmm. that he's there and sure. he, he can bring yep. about something really cool from it, you know, but uh, yeah, keep praying. And the other thing is that if you feel led to, to back off on something for a while, you know, this yep. is just what it is. You don't. For whatever reasons, you're going to be in the wheelchair. For whatever reasons, you're going to have a chronic pain or whatever. Don't feel indicted by that. And the thing is, there's a lot of folks who, well-intentioned people, who don't understand that. Uh, they, they maybe will say, I, can I pray for you right now? I, I want to heal, you know, pray for healing for you. And if you say, you know what, I don't feel like I want to do that right now, mm-hmm. they may not understand and they'll think you lack faith or what's wrong with you, whatever. And do the best you can on explaining it to them, but don't feel indicted. Right. You know, they just don't understand, and right. and you know, just gotta. Only, you you got to make that call. It's your life, and and uh, make the best call you can, discerning God's will, and then move on. Yeah, and just because you've got something wrong with you doesn't mean you're less than perfect. Yes. Great. All right. This is another anonymous. They don't want to share their name. People are shy around here. I guess. How do you, Greg, approach a friend or family member who has completely lost their faith due to unanswered prayer? Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Da, da. I did my part, da, da. so I'm gonna let you um, <laughs> <laughs> give them the answer they need. You know, um, I, I guess the thing. You know, it would depend on the, the, the particulars, some. Um, I'm very hesitant to give you know, a yeah. formula for this. But all other things being equal, I mean, first of all, you empathize because there's a lot of pain there. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to come off as kind of, oh, that's not a problem. It, you know, it's, a, it's a huge problem, so you want to empathize uh, with them. Uh, on the other hand, uh, oftentimes, in fact, maybe even usually, what's behind this sort of thing is I mean, that a person... If you rejected God because of unanswered prayer, it was clearly the case. So you want to be careful about how you say this, because we want to be loving and, and compassionate. But you're, you're, you apparently thought that God was there to answer your prayer. And that was his job. And then he failed at his job. And uh, so you fired him. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And so to help people realize that... that uh, um, uh, we're not called to believe in God and serve God because of what we get out of it, even answered prayer. In fact, you know, I'm sure all of the disciples at some point prayed that they would be safe, but they all got crucified. Mm-hmm. They, they all were martyred. 
Um, and many of them had to see their families be martyred. That's a pretty significant unanswered prayer. Terrible stuff happens to people who follow God. And signing up for this thing doesn't mean that your life's going to be any easier. It may actually make it worse. So it, it, worse in terms of circumstances. It will make it better eternally, and it will give you a peace that passes understanding now if you'll let it. But it doesn't mean that, that things are going to go better for you or that, that God has, you know, owes you a certain amount of unanswered prayer. Uh, now, having said that, I, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, it can be very, very grieving when there's something, when a loved one's life is on the line and it seems like it would be so clear for that God would want to answer this prayer and you pray and the child dies. You know, you just got to enter into that pain mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and, and be compassionate uh, with them. It also helps, and I'll say more about this next week, but Sean brought up that the idea that God's will isn't the only thing that decides what comes to pass here. And to help people, a lot of people have this idea that God works with the Neanderthal type of power we talked about last week, uh, where he just controls everything by fiat. And if that's your view of God, then every unanswered prayer is a, it means that he, he, he must have wanted it to happen that way. He wanted the child to die. He wanted you know, the baby to have this disease or whatever. And, and he decreed it. So it would yeah. be his fault. And so to help a person see that the world's a lot more complex than that can also help them come to uh, follow, have, embrace a beautiful picture of God where it's not there decreeing terrible things happening to people. Yeah. And, and this person is probably just so hurt that um, they just need you to love on them. And, 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 and if this person were in my life, I would be praying for them. They may not be at a place where they feel like they can accept faith anymore or accept God, so I'd be praying on their behalf because clearly something happened to them that they felt like God really let them down. And so you can pray, and your prayer will have an influence on their heart that they can begin to see God for who he really is, not Absolutely. me, God, you puny human. All right. From From Jake, how does prayer affect God? Why does he need our prayers in order to act? Isn't he going to do everything he can whether or not we pray? Why pray? What's the point? Because we have an influence. Because God loves us. And what we pray on behalf of ourselves and others affects him, affects his heart toward us. And um, you've talked about this, about how had we not prayed in certain situations, who knows what would have happened. Mm. So, you know, I don't, again, I think it's the view of God. He's distant. He's Neanderthal. He's unloving and caring. He's, you know, pounding his chest. And whatever we say doesn't matter. That's, That's not true. I think he's a God who passionately loves us. His heart is toward us. His hands are outstretched toward us. And when we pray and we're aligning ourselves with his will, that has an, in, that has an effect. It has an impact, absolutely. So that would be why. I, 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 that's absolutely perfect. Yeah. You said it very well. Yeah, that was really good. I, I, often that question presupposes that God is there controlling everything, a Neanderthal, uh, using Neanderthal power. In that case, you would wonder, what good does prayer do? What could it possibly do? Because if God's calling all the shots and he's all good, then if something's good, he was going to do it anyways. Yeah. And so if you ask him to do the good thing, well, he was going to do it anyways. But if you ask him to do something that's less than perfectly good, he's not going to do it because he always does the good thing. So either way, whether you're asking a good thing or a bad thing, uh, a perfect thing or less than perfect thing, he, he, he either was going to do it anyways or he's not going to do it despite the fact that you prayed, so why pray? pray. But if you understand that God's a God who is secure enough to give away power, yeah. uh, he's not an insecure God who's got to hold all the you know, cards himself, he, out of love, empowers us to have say-so, uh, to be genuine person, personal agents. And, and what we do, 
in a physical realm and in a spiritual realm through prayer really creates ripple effects. It really has an influence. And when we align our will with God's will, uh, things happen that otherwise wouldn't happen. And that's what gives our life meaning and significance. We make a difference. We really, and we have responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, it's, the ultimate answer is, Sean says, because God's a God who, because he's loving, is a God of influence, not a God of, of coercion. Yeah. Neanderthal power. Okay, maybe one. One more. One more. Okay. Uh, anonymous again. Doesn't the Bible seem to set us up for disappointment when prayer isn't answered? Uh, we hope for answered prayer because of what the Bible teaches about prayer. That, that, that's a very, uh, very powerful question. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, always such an honest guy. Um, in, in one of his writings, I, I, I think it was maybe Reflections on Psalms. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I remember reading this as a college student, just being so impressed with his candor. But he says, you know, it's not... It's not the unanswered prayer that bothers me. Uh, it's the promises that they would be answered. Mm-hmm. And, and you do. Honestly, you, have, you get this impression uh, uh, in some passages, uh, in the, the Gospels in particular, uh, that uh, if, you, if, if you just believe it enough, well, it's going to happen. And then you have the precedent where Jesus just prays and the people get healed. It's, it's a consistent thing. And then he turns around, and this is a verse that... One of the verses that most bothers me, and we can be out loud about this, in John 14, it says, Greater works than these shall you do. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, don't be so amazed at what I'm doing. You're going to do more. It's like, well, well where you know, is that? So, have a great day. I, I really hope that you come on there. And just, uh, you know, I, to, to, really to be just very brutally honest with this, I, I'll tell you that... that um, uh, Anyway, Shada admitted that she doesn't have answers, and I'm going to admit that I don't have a good answer to that one. I, I have some guesses uh, that I can throw out that help me, you know, get around this. But I'll, I'll just say two things. One is, is uh, I have enough reason to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's a revelation of who God is and the revelation of what God's up to in this world and the revelation of what God wants in my life. I have enough reasons to believe that's true, that even though this does, is a bothering question, it doesn't trump all of that. So I'm going to keep marching forward. And part of what it means to march forward is you pray with faith, you envision the kingdom, you keep pressing towards that. So I'm going to keep doing it, though I admit that this bothers me. And I would like to see more of the kingdom showing up in, in response to prayer and the miraculous and all that. I'm just going to keep pressing on, uh, even though I, I can't figure that one out. The second thing is, is this, that uh, it, it seems to me, as you study history, you find that there are pockets uh, moments, sometimes surrounding individuals, other times surrounding ideas or movements. But there are moments in time where the supernatural breaks through. Revivals happen. And certainly in the ministry of Jesus in the early church, there was a moment like this. And then, you know, you find these, these things happening usually for a decade or so uh, in certain locations. And the picture I get, and I don't know if this is a spiritual picture I got or it's just my imagination, but... But it's like there's this demonic cloud over this earth because this earth really is under, a, 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 under the power of Satan and, and deception and all of this. And so there's a stronghold on this whole planet that still remains. And once in a while, for a billion reasons that have partly God's will, partly our righteousness, partly our faith, but also a lot of other variables that we can't possibly begin to fathom, there's like a, a hole that gets punched in the cloud and the sun can shine through. Now, the sun, the sun is shining through in a lot of ways already. Otherwise, none of us would be saved. Otherwise, we'd never have any good revelation and there wouldn't be any goodness. So the sun is always breaking through, but sometimes it can break through in a way where you can see on a physical level the kingdom being manifested in exceptional ways. And it goes for a year or ten years. It always eventually comes to an end. That it's like the clouds then seal up that hole. 
but uh, these, these folks who live in these moments where the hole was punched in the clouds and the sun broke through, uh, because, because it was possible, the variables were aligned, right? Uh, you know, they, they just got blessed. Uh, I want to keep punching a hole in, 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 in the clouds. I want to just keep on praying and pressing on. I think in America we're under a tremendous dark cloud uh, that inhibits some of the supernatural signs and wonders that we should expect with the kingdom. But I'm not going to base my faith on whether or not that happens. I'm going to keep plowing forward um, and, and just keep praying. And, and maybe, I mean, I'll thank God for every little ray of sun I see. And, and, and just keep praying for more. So you don't know? No, I don't know. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. All right. Bottom line. Yeah. No, no, you don't. The bottom line, you don't know. I'll, I'll uh, invite folks to come up here in prayer. In prayer and would you uh, close us out in prayer, uh, trusting that God will answer that prayer? All right. Okay, yeah. So uh, our prayer teams are going to be up here. And we, while we are realistic about prayer and believe in being honest with questions, we believe in the power of prayer. It's powerful and effective. We take that God's word at, at face value. And so we encourage people. Uh, whatever your need is. During the service, when we're having our worship time, there's folks available for prayer. Encourage you to take uh, advantage of that. And at the end of the service here, there's, uh, our prayer team's up here. Mm-hmm. We encourage you to come up here, and, and whatever need is in your life, to have them pray over that. Yes. And with that, Shauna, would you send yeah. us out? <laughs> God, I do thank you that um, we can go boldly before you, Father, and we can ask you, and we can just bring our petitions before you. Lord, help us to have faith, not in the outcome, but faith in you in the midst of those situations. Lord, help us to not um, throw the baby out with the bathwater and throw up our hands and just say it doesn't work. Lord, just work in our hearts to see you. Give us the faith to see you at work, even when it seems like everything around us is pretty crappy. And Lord, even when things around us are great, help us still to have that faith to see you at work. Lord, I pray that you would begin to reveal yourself to us in fresh ways, in new ways, in relevant ways for us today. And as we're speaking with neighbors and friends and family and children, Lord, help us to be a part of that um, communication, that, that, that conduit that your kingdom is flowing through to them, Lord God. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said. Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and build Thanks, the kingdom. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Shauna.